Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Knicks-Lakers was an enormous game last night. Yeah, I said it, and I can't believe I said it, but I'll even say it again. The New York Knicks were actually playing an important game in mid-May in 2021. That's how weird this pandemic season has been. And even more bizarre than the Knicks playing an important game this late in the season is the fact that the defending champs needed a win to keep their hopes alive for avoiding the playing tournament. And if you hear or see somebody hating on the playing tournament, no names mentioned, LeBron, it's probably because they have to play in the playing tournament. Other than that, pretty much everybody likes that concept. But back to the Knicks and the Lakers. If I had told you that they would lock up in a game that matters in the middle of May, you probably would add that to the list of reasons to go, right? Really quickly, I'll run down that list. Somebody insults your race or your religion, you go. Somebody threatens you or your family, you go. Somebody spits in your face, you go. Somebody says the Knicks and the Lakers are playing in a meaningful game in the middle of May. Man, you go. That's a reason to give somebody the hands. You say that. And not only will you probably get your ass kicked, you'll deserve it also. And yet all of it is extremely real. And it got even more real for the Lakers. And by real, I mean worse when the team announced that LeBron James would be held out again. So, the Lakers were going into a very important game against a good Knicks team, shorthanded. Then the news gets even worse when the team loses Alex Caruso early in that game. So, no King, no Bald Eagle, no Dennis Schroeder. He was already out, so they had no point guard. They had no primary ball handler. The way the season has been going for the Lakers, you never know who you're going to get on a nightly basis. LeBron is out, Schroeder's out, Caruso was in, and then he was out quickly, and that meant that Talon Horton Tucker was going to be essential, THT, essential, in a critical game. I mean, it sounds like the start of a bad joke, right? (laughs) Except it wasn't. I mean, and the Laker lineup mysteries are not only about their primary ball handler. It's pretty much everywhere. You never know who's going to be there or who won't be. Cal Kuzma was out on Sunday, but back last night. Anthony Davis was in last night, but might not be tonight. Frank Vogel is in effect playing mad libs with that lineup card every single night. The team is bang the hell up. But they keep grinding. If one guy or five guys are out, they just throw some other bodies out there and they play some badass defense. And they give themselves a chance to win. And that's exactly how last night's game went. What a grind that was. Because this version of the Knicks does not beat themselves. They don't make anything easy for anybody at all. Like, I still can't believe I'm saying that about our Knicks team. By this point in the season, generally, they're getting booed off their own floor and their owner is either arguing with a fan, a former player, a celebrity, or all three. But here they were in mid-May, 
on the road with a 10-point lead over the defending champs and less than eight minutes to go. And at that point, it looked like they were going to grind out a throwback win. You know, something in the vein of the 90s Knicks that I talked about yesterday. Get the dub. Get on the plane. Tom T laughs his ass off all the way back to New York and another huge win for the Knicks. I mean, for instance, if the Lakers had just mailed it in at that point, I wouldn't have been surprised because most teams would. Down double digits in the first game of a back-to-back with the playoffs looming without your star or any sort of point guard at all, that's generally a pretty good time to shut it down, coast, and get ready to fight another day. Rest your key players, live to fight another day, because in this case, the other day is today. But that's not what they did. AD had moments of picking up where he left off against Phoenix, where he played like a dude possessed and refused to be denied. Baseline, Peyton, he has it taken right away by KCP. Ahead now for Davis all the way, throw it up and in! Count it! Oh, give credit to KCP, picked the pocket, went all the way, and then somehow that went in. What's good, AD? What's good? What's good, baby? What's good, baby? Listen, I don't know if that's a function of the playing tournament, the knowledge that he needs to carry that team, When LeBron's down, Spike Lee chirping them from the sideline or something else altogether. But that's the kind of Anthony Davis the teams do not want to see in the playoffs. Then in the fourth quarter, the Lakers played the kind of defense the teams do not want to see in the playoffs. They allowed a total of six points in the final 7-13 of the fourth quarter. They locked the Knicks the hell up. Then they got themselves into position for Kentavious Caldwell-Pope to get this look, which would win the game. Surrounding Anthony Davis to give him space to work. Which do not have a foul to give here. Davis with Randall on him. Gives it up in the corner. Caldwell-Pope, no. And it's Matthews with the rebound and the follow. Oh, Wesley Matthews gets the start for LeBron tonight, and that's got the king off his seat. We are tied at 91. What's good, Wesley? What's good, baby? AD, what's good, baby? WM, what's good, baby? Wes Matthews, if you need him, and the Lakers did. They had to have that rebound. He got it, and the bucket, and the Lakers. The Lakers brutalized the Knicks. On the glass last night, 51-39. Again, we're talking about a Lakers team that is getting clutch buckets from Wes Matthews to send a game into OT. And then in OT, it was THT, who was at the center of everything. He did have those back-to-back turnovers. They look like backbreakers. And then he comes right back in the final 25 seconds, and he does this. Lakers down by a point. Over to Caldwell Pope, gives it right back to THT. They go into their action. Horton Tucker for the lead. TNT Dynamite. Wow. Down he, it goes. He puts in a position where don't give up a three. And the worst thing that can happen to you is a second overtime. Dynamite. Dynamite. THT Dynamite. What's good, baby? Stand up. What's good, baby? Man, that was brass as hell. That's a hell of a way for a young player to bounce back from a couple of what seem to be killer turnovers. Most guys don't do that, 
Most guys move the ball on in that situation and look for somebody else to make that shot. Look for somebody else to deal with the heat, not THT. You know why? He's dynamite! Dynamite! So, great news. A huge win over the Knicks, and they got it without LeBron. And LeBron might be back tonight. But as it's been with the Lakers all year long, whenever something good happens, something bad balances it out. And now, suddenly, AD is not sure whether or not AD is going to go tonight. And don't at me either. Do not at me at James Kelly. All right, Kelly is the one who's got such a strong view on these types of things, not me. Anyway, when asked how he was feeling and whether or not he would go tonight, here's what AD had to say. I'm hurt. (laughs) Um, Not more so my body, just, you know, my groin got tight. I'm not sure about tomorrow. I mean, I'm going to get treatment and see how I feel. Um, I want to say I'm going to play, but it was really bothering me tonight. But we'll see how I feel tomorrow. Um, And then later on in the day, you know, it's very... A very strong possibility that I, that I, you know, fight through it and play since the next day is an off day, but also don't want to have this lagging and then now I'm out for a couple games. Don't at me. At Big Head Bets. So he refused to leave the floor last night and he wanted to make sure that he was going to let Spike Lee hear about it when it was over. Good. Great. Needed, needed that. I just don't know whether or not he goes tonight. This is what makes it so tough to get a read on this crew. Like, if they're healthy, they're good. In fact, they're not just good. They're damn good. They're still one of the scariest teams in the NBA. I said, don't at me, at James Kelly. What I should have said was, don't at me, at James Kelly. And you, Kelly, don't text me. You keep that between you and your five followers, Kelly. Don't be texting me in the middle of my opening take. Trying to justify your take. Anyway, what I'm saying is, when these guys are healthy, like LeBron and AD, if they're healthy or near healthy and right or near right, they may in fact still be the team to beat. Yes, I'm saying that a team that might be looking at the playing tourney might still be the team to beat if those two big dudes are right and they're healthy. But those are big ifs. I would just say this. I'd be very careful about throwing dirt on these guys. Not yet. Not when they just beat the Knicks without LeBron and not with LeBron about to return maybe as soon as this evening. Like, if you want to bet these against these guys, you go ahead and be my guest. Just make sure it's money that you can afford to lose. Be my guest. Yo, AD, what's good, baby? AD, what's good, baby? Your groin? Are you playing tonight or what, big dog? I need to know before I get down. Oh, man. I cannot wait to tell you about my new X chair. I have never had an office chair that looks or feels so amazing in my entire career. Honestly, it is so comfortable. I could sit for hours and never feel uncomfortable. So what's the secret? Well, it's not only their patented dynamic variable lumbar support, which offers incredible lumbar support to my lower back, but now thanks to their new XHMT technology, I can also get heat and massage therapy while I'm sitting at my desk. It's incredible. So instead of my old, uncomfortable office chair, now I actually look forward to spending hours sitting in the ultimate therapeutic massager. 
The XHMT delivers heat and massage technology right to my core. It helps increase blood flow, muscle recovery, and energy. All perks that make working from home or the office absolutely amazing. I'm doing all that and getting all that while I'm working. You will not believe the X-Chair difference until you feel the X-Chair difference for yourself. Trust me, this is the luxury sports car of office chairs. X-Chair is on sale now for $100 off. What you need to do is go to xchairrome.com right now. That's the letter X, chair, rome.com or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR, 1-844-4X-CHAIR. X-CHAIR has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. Go to xchairrome.com right now and use code XWHEELS for free X-Wheel blade casters. xchairrome.com. Tom Telesco is my guest. Tom, it is so good to have you on the program. How are you? I'm doing great, Jim. Thanks for having me on. Tom, thanks for doing it. Great to talk to you. There's a lot that I want to get into, but if we were to take a step back and you were to look at the overall picture of the offseason so far, you brought in Brandon Staley as your head coach. You had the Rookie of the Year quarterback. You selected a big-time offensive lineman in the first round. So from the outside, it feels like a lot of boxes have been checked. Is that how it feels to you, and what's the mood around the team like right now? Well, yeah, we've uh, we've checked a good amount of boxes, not all of them yet, but uh, yeah, there's been a lot of change, which is which is natural when when you have a head coaching change, um, and, and now not only the head coaching change, but it, it's a whole new change on offense and defense as far as the schemes we're going to run. Um, so the roster has turned over a little bit, um, but it, it's exciting, it really is, and I, I understand like every team right now feels the same way we do, um, but we put a plan in place. Um, after we hired Brandon, we really worked on that plan in February and then tried to execute that through March and April. And uh, so far, it's worked out well. We feel good about the plan. Now it's about executing as far as everybody, once they get here, get on the field, get on the grass, and see everybody fits together. But um, it's been good. Like I said, we, we put a plan together in February, and we've been able to stick to it, stick to the process, and it's worked out pretty well so far. LA Chargers GM Tom Telesco, my guest. Now, speaking of Brandon and hiring him, I spoke to him shortly after he was hired. I was extremely impressed. In fact, I was actually kind of fired up. Can you take me through the process for identifying him? For instance, what were you looking for in a head coach, and what do you like about what he brings to your team? I'll tell you what, he brings such a great passion, which which I'm sure when you interviewed him, you could probably tell within the first 30 seconds um, how much passion he has for the game of football and what a great relationship uh, coach he is. Um, he's got a really unique style of leadership. It's, it's, it's almost less of, of don't follow me and more join me. And not only with the players, but with the assistant coaches and, and the front office. Um, and he just brings a lot of energy. And, and obviously his, his background and his, his body of work at the pro level was smaller than some others. Um, but that's also why we do interviews, and that's why you know we looked at his body of work as far as what he did on defense with the Rams, certainly, and then and then with Chicago Bears as well. But certainly with the Rams, um, we did an interview with him. We kind of vet him as much as we could, and uh, everything's kind of lined up. You know, the things that he likes to do on defense, his knowledge of the offense, how he works with people, how he builds relationships with you know throughout the organization, and uh, you know he's just a, he's a really he's a smart football guy. And he just, he's really able to take like, complex situations and really simplify them. And they communicate that with a player, with an assistant coach, you know, with the GM, with a scout, whoever it may be. And he's got a great feel for that. I, I, actually, I know exactly 
what you're talking about, at least in the sense that he can take these kind of intricate, complex things, make them easy to understand, and his ability to connect with and his relationship building is really amazing. You're right. You could tell within 30 seconds of talking to him that he was really different in that regard. Tom Telesco is my guest. So what about last year, Tom? When you took Justin Herbert with the sixth pick overall, what kind of plans did you have for him as he approached his rookie season? In other words, what kind of expectations did you have for him in terms of playing time and impact? Well, we were pretty open about it last year as we went into training camp. Um, you know, we were in the still, you know, in the middle of that pandemic where we had no off-season program and, and you know, obviously limited preseason with no preseason games at all. Uh, we had signed Terod Taylor, and uh, you know, Terod was going to be the quarterback um, going into the season. Um, you know, there just wasn't at that time. We didn't think there was going to be enough work for Justin that that would be ready to go at that point. Um, but uh, you know, he he did, he showed well in training camp, but again, we had no live reps in training camp for for the quarterbacks, no preseason games. So, uh, Tarad was the starter going into the season. Um, I felt fine about that, as did Anthony Lynn, and um, obviously we saw what happened in week two, um, and Justin got in there and um, you know just performed at a, at a high level. And and I think the the most interesting thing about it was he just the, the kid just never flinched. Um, and he enjoyed playing. So you could tell, number one, it wasn't too big for him, which um, you know, is a credit to the University of Oregon, um, how they coached him there, how they developed him there. And, and you know, being a four-year starter in college and, and staying for four years, I think, helped him too. He's very mature. Uh, when he got to this level, like I said, it wasn't too big for him. And um, he just took off week after week after week. So it was uh, you know, incredible to see. And, and really, you know, it's a big part of you know, his upbringing, um, his college experience, and then the development here with the coaching staff and all the work he put into it. I was going to say, and you kind of answered it already, Tom, but I was going to say, like, how in the world, I understand this is a really unique young guy, very talented, very smart, but how do you explain somebody coming into the NFL at that position, taking over the way he did, when he did, and making it look so easy when you know it's not? No, it's not, and, but he just has a great mental makeup. I mean, he's strong mentally. He's, he's very intelligent. Uh, and he's got an excellent worker, and he wants to learn. Um, and obviously he's very talented physically, um, but he has all those characteristics as a quarterback that you need to have at this level. That position is so much more than just the physical skill of it. Um, you know, it's really you know, what you have inside of you and be able to process and make quick decisions. And obviously the, the pro game is going to be a little bit faster than the college game, and there's going to be more complex defenses he'll see at this level than he sees in college. So that's going to take time. Um, but he puts in all the work, you know, Monday through Saturday, the preparation part of it, which is just as, as important as game day on Sunday. And, um, yeah, I mean, we couldn't be more happy with this development. Tom Telesco joining us. All right, so, Tom, I spoke to Rashawn Slater. He was – you were able to stay put with the draft. You get him the 13th pick overall from talking to him. Also, great personality, great attitude. I'm curious, what was the vibe like in your war room when you were officially on the clock and your guy was still on the board? Yeah, well, I'd, it was really after about pick eight where I, once he was still on the board after pick eight, I felt pretty comfortable that he would get to us at, at our pick at 13. Uh, but going into the draft, I, I had pegged it at maybe maybe 10% chance he gets to us at pick 13. Um, and then we had some other options available if, if he didn't. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, we knew going into this offseason um, we wanted to get some improvement on the offensive line. 
And so we've kind of put a plan together. We felt like in free agency there were some options in the interior, both guards and tackles, not as many options at, at or I'm sorry, centers and guards, not as many options at tackle. And this was a pretty strong tackle draft, not just in the first round, but probably at least the first two rounds, maybe in the half of the third round. So, but obviously we had Rashawn as, as one of our top guys. Didn't know if he, if he would get to us or not. Um, but like I said, once he passed pick eight, we felt pretty good that he should be there at our pick. And just felt like he was the fit um, that we're looking for that position, both in a run game and pass game, um, you know, on the field, off the field. He's, we're really, really excited to get him here and can't wait to get him on the grass, you know, this week at rookie minicamp and uh, get it going. Tom Salesco joining me for a few more moments. You know, it's kind of tough without the fans, and they're going to come back, and the facility obviously is so beautiful. I know you're looking forward to that. Staley was saying that the games, though, without the fans, reminded him a little bit of his days at John Carroll. You're the pride of John Carroll University as well. You played football there. He coached there for a few years. Those who know know that John Carroll is an absolute launching pad for NFL people. How do you explain that? I've always been absolutely fascinated by that, but how do you explain that? It's funny because I've been asked that many times, and I just don't have a, I don't have a great answer for it because uh, so many of us came in in different ways. It wasn't like you had a couple people from John Carroll get into the NFL and they all started hiring people from John Carroll. It really wasn't like that at all. Even um, I graduated in 1995, and I got hired by the Carolina Panthers. Um, in the same year, Greg Roman, who was a teammate of mine, he got hired by the Carolina Panthers uh, in, in a totally different way. You know, he started off actually in strength and conditioning before he moved into coaching. Um, but uh, I can speak from experience. I mean, the uh, the experience I had at John Carroll, because obviously Division three football, you're not there on a full scholarship. So you're there because you're playing because you love to play the game. And uh, we had great coaching staff when I was there. They tried to run the program like a Division one school. And... Um, you know, we've just been really successful with people, whether it was in coaching or scouting, um, even some administrative jobs coming from that school. And it's, uh, it's a nice little fraternity to have. We're really proud of it. And, you know, Brandon was a coach there. Um, he didn't play there, but he was a coach. So we kind of we, we'll take credit for him, too, as far as being a, a John Carroll guy. But, uh, yeah, it's a really interesting story and, and uh, really proud of everybody from the school that's really made it to this, this far. It's fascinating. Listen, before you go, as long as we're going back, they pay me to be objective. I don't play favorites. Having said that, one of my all-time favorite NFL players ever was Bob Sanders. You were with the Colts when he was there. What do you remember about him as a player and a presence and the way he attacked that game and the way he flew around? You just mentioned it right there, just what a presence he had. When he was on the field, um, things changed. And, and I think, you know, as you look back, I think people sometimes thought he was just like a, a box safety. They'd come up and play the run games. He was such a big explosive hitter. But he was just as, as played as well in coverage as he did in the run game. One of the most explosive hitters I've ever been around. Um, it was a great job by, by Bill Pulling, which is why he's in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he traded down, I think, twice and then took him. Um, and uh, kind of kind of played the draft game was still able to to draft them and um, you know there were in there was one year that you know Bob was hurt most of the year and, and Bill kept him on the active roster through the whole year just so we had him in the playoffs because he he could change the game that much for us but uh, yeah one of the best safeties I've ever been around um, one of the hardest hitters one of the fastest ex- most explosive and in football instincts I mean he was the perfect safety um, in that Tony Dungy defense you know playing that that John Lynch role. 
um, which was a critical part of, of the Tampa 2 defense and, you know, helped us win a Super Bowl. Amazing. LA Chargers GM Tom Telesco, my guest. Once again, the Chargers open up their season at Washington September 12th, 10 a.m. Pacific time on CBS. And the entire schedule, like we know some of this is leaking right now. We know some of the teams, but we will know all the games soon enough. Tom, great to have you on the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate the conversation, and I hope we can do that again soon. That was fun. Anytime. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to it. Hey, you want to hear something absolutely amazing? Discover matches all the cash back that you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. Now, how amazing is that? No limit. In fact, it's even more amazing when you consider all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards, that's where. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes, discover.com slash yes, 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations do apply. My beef is with people that do something simple like lose some weight or run a half marathon and then proclaim, no one thought I could do it, like they swam the Atlantic Ocean. Hey, bag, we all knew you could do it, but no one believed you would. Congratulations on exceeding everyone's low expectations of you. Sign Nate in GR. Hell yeah, Nate. Off and running. Great start. Really good start. That's a good tone setter. I got a good feeling about this. Hi, Jim. My beef is when you go to the doctor and the 400-pound nurse weighs you, looks at your chart from the year before, then laments that you've gained six pounds. Hey, fatty. Your scrubs were made from the tarp that they put over the field at Fenway during a rain delay. Worry more about your own girth. Sarah T. Unwar obese nurses. War lady clones. Damn, Sarah. What a P in the B. Here's my beef. The loud, obnoxious, and annoying beeping sound that my microwave makes when my food is done. Am I the only one who turns into Barry Sanders, juking around tables, chairs, kids, and dogs to hit stop before the shot clock ticks down to zero? Brad in G-Rap. I like that. That's good. That's a good one, too. Yo, Romy, I got beef with raisins. I hate when I take a bite out of a cookie and I end up chewing on a raisin. Raisins only taste good when you're under five years old or over 60. Those 55 years in between, they taste like ass. Alberto in Rosarito. What's up, big A? This is why you callers can never keep pace, man. These guys are good. Really good. Those 55 years in between, they taste like ass. He's not wrong. Tan smack. My beef is with dust. You do absolutely nothing to dirty a surface, and this crap just accumulates, and then I have to break out the paper towels or feather duster and clean this mess that I didn't even create. Unwar dust. Sean from Crabchester in Orlando. All right, Sean, you can do better than that. Dust. Your beef is with dust. Your beef is with dust. I mean, dust happens. It's like you say, get out your feather duster or your paper towel. 
Hey, Rome, here's my beef. Some son of a bitch down the street dragged a bunch of junk to the end of his driveway and then put a sign up that says, free. Hey, slick. Call for a bulk pickup or haul it to the dump yourself. Stop asking your neighbors to throw away your trash for you. Chad in Orlando. Good point. That whole, if you can haul it, you can have it bull crap. No one wants to haul your crap away, man. Nobody wants any of it for their home. Hey, man, that, that lamp right there, that looked really good in my living room. No one's thinking that. If you don't want it, why would somebody else? Hey, Rome, my beef is with you. How could you miss three days of work out of the blue like that? You're starting to act like Kyrie Irving. Next, you're going to tell us the earth is flat. Signed, Jeremiah in Greenville. All right, again, really quickly, I did miss three days of work. I did not give you any heads up. Why did I do that? Because I can. What was the reason for it? None of your business. It's private. I'm asking you to respect it, Jeremiah. And if you knew what the reason was, you'd respect it. Private. I just choose not to share that with you. Private. Thank you. Private. Rome, my beef is with the calls you instead of text you guy. Whether it's your mother or Hawk talking to his cat, nobody speaks on the phone anymore. Hack, please do not call me. I will not answer your call. Steve from the Northwest, right? The phone ringing is almost like a reason to go now. Like, oh, great. Why are you calling me? How, how, did, how did it come to this? Like, we don't even talk to each other anymore. I'm not saying that that's not a real thing, though, right? It does. Admit it. Does it not piss you off when somebody calls you? Jimmy, my beef is with Lil Alvi on Thursdays. Go back to homeschooling your 12 kids and give me back my train wreck writ Thursdays. Give me back my... Freaking ridiculous, right? Let's try that one more time. My beef is with Lil Alvi on Thursdays. Go back to homeschooling your 12 kids and give me back my train wreck writ Thursdays. Give me back my... Freaking ridiculous, right? (laughs) Bring it on. Simon in Crush City wants writ back. Well done. By all of you. Dear Jim, my beef is with child... Oh, this is good. Childless dog moms celebrating Mother's Day over the weekend. How dare you? Your housebroken golden doodle that sleeps 18 hours a day is not a child. Get your insufferable ass off Instagram and stop pretending you're an actual mom. Sign Pat and Scranton. Hawk, what are you standing up and applauding for, man? You hate dog moms. Yeah, but you're cat dude with a cat tat. Dude, go ahead. Throw those things on real quick. You've got hate coursing through your veins. And what is it about? Dog culture. I hate dog culture. Dog owners, most obnoxious people in the world. You knock on their door, their dog runs you over, bites you. They always say the same thing. Oh, he likes you. They smell like crap. They ruin every single meal, whether you're at a dog owner's house or at a restaurant. These people think their dogs 
are human beings. This guy, Pat in Scranton, is exactly right. You go on Instagram last Sunday, it's just dog moms left and right thinking that they're real moms. When's the last time? Yeah, but dude, you're all about the cat life. You're all about cat culture. I, But I'm not... When Father's Day comes around, if I got like a cat dad post, I would delete myself from the internet. I'm not throwing it in everyone's face. I'm not bringing my cat to restaurants. It's more, it's more than the the dog mom. It's the dog thing that you seem pissed about. Dog culture, it's out of control. Dogs aren't asking for this. They're great animals. That Peter have, Carroll cannot believe how fast you're talking Because today. I'm pissed. It's stop ruining dogs for everyone. Just let them be at your house and chill. Stop gallivanting all over the place with them, throwing them in everyone's face and making us all like adjust our lives for your stupid dog. Huh. How about them adjusting their lives for your stupid cat? My cat sits at home and doesn't do anything and hides under the bed most of the day. I don't even know where the cat is right now. All right, there you go. There's his beef. Thanks. Hey, Jim, my beef is with the tight lids on new jars of salsa. I always have to get someone to open them for me. Signed, AD. Casey, stop, man. Rome, my beef is with friends who get pissed when you don't return their text right away. Damn, man, I work two jobs. I got a wife and a kid. I'm trying to get back to you as fast as I can, but sometimes stuff happens and I'm a busy dude. Leave me alone. Matt in Poland Springs. All right, let's go to the phones. Myrtle Beach, Steve. Good to have you, Steve. What is your beef? Hey, Jim. My beef is with obscure health trend guy. Got a coworker that swears drinking a glass of cold ice water in the morning wakes him up more than a cup of coffee. Hey, man, no, it doesn't. I was just at Starbucks. I didn't see one human ordering ice water at that counter. Thanks, Jim. Well done, Steve. Well done. I agree with you. He got in. He got out. He had a good beef. That's how you do it. 1-800-636-8686. Social media beef was great. What about the phones? We go to John in Houston. John, what is your beef? Hey, John. Good morning, uh, J- Jim. Uh, yeah, my beef is with Lotto Guy, man. It's a miserably hot day. I want to run into the gas station for a quick drink on this hot day. And I got Lotto Guy going over his 20 numbers, uh, 20 different cards with the cashier. The line's out the door. I got to leave the gas station more miserable and more hot than when I got there. Thank you, Jim. And thirstier. I see you working, John. I feel you. That's good beef. one 800 Six three six eight six eight six. Let's go to Raul, Arizona. Raul, my man, what is your beef? Hola, Senor Jim. My beef is with daylight savings time and not realizing I was on a one hour tape delay here in Goodyear, Arizona, and wondering why my beefs were not getting in were not getting through. Oh, oh my man, that sucks. I feel you. You know what? I appreciate Thanks, Raul. I appreciate everybody and every PD that carries this show. I really do. Don't DB it. The show is it's a really good show, and it has been for a really long time. Just throw the switch at 9 a.m. Pacific, and I'll do all the heavy lifting, and then throw the switch again at 12 p.m. noon, and you're all good. Don't DB it. My man's like, I've got amazing beefs. Why are they not getting through? Because they're DB'd, delay broadcast, 1-800-636-8686. Back to Houston. A lot of beef coming out of Houston. Kyle in H-Town. Kyle, what's your beef? Rome, I've got beef with the guy who has to tell me that wrestling is fake whenever they find out that I watch it. Guys, I realize it's fake. It's fine. You know what else is fake? John Wick. Keanu Reeves not really going out and murking people because his dog got killed and his car got jacked. 
doesn't stop me from going. Shut up and stop it. War, stay at home, dads. My man, Cowan Houston. It's yeah. still real to me, damn it. I don't think that anybody thinks that Wick is real. I mean, I love Wick. I just didn't think that it would be possible for one guy to kill 800 people in a two-hour movie. With one handgun. And a few mixed martial arts moves. I didn't know the guy could kill 800 people with eight bullets. But that doesn't mean that I don't love the franchise. I do. Let's go to Temecula. Rob in Temecula. Rob, what's your beef? What up, Jim? My beef is gas pump guy. Okay? First off, when you pull up to the pump, know what side your gas tank is on so you don't have to open the door and look back. You've had your car for 17 years. You know what side it's on at this point. And when you're getting gas, you pull all the way forward to the first pump at the end. You don't stop short so that then I can't get around you or I have to wedge into the middle pump. Most gas stations have 27 or 42 pumps now, so there's plenty for you to pull up. We've got, we've got to work on this. There's an etiquette to this, and we need to work on it together. My man, nice job, Rob. I like that. I like that one. Going to the gas station can be a real pain in the ass if you don't understand the etiquette of going to a gas station. He's right. Pull up to the farthest pump. How do you not know what side your gas tank is on when you've had that car eight years? Great point. Let's go to Wisconsin. Scott in Wisconsin. Scott, what's your beef? What is up, pimp? My beef is with one Anthony Daryl McFarlane. I mean, what the hell am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to respect and listen to what you have to say when your name is Booger? You answer to the name Booger? You're 43 years old and a Super Bowl champ, dude. You don't have to stick with the name somebody gave you in third grade. Wake the hell up, Tony or Anthony or whatever the hell your name is. Scott in Wisconsin. The calls are doing well today. I like it. Hope it doesn't end. 1-800-636-8686. Jerome in Houston wants in. Jerome, what's your beef? Uh, Rome, thanks for the line. My beef is with barn swallows. Now, let me tell you, a barn swallow is this little bird about four inches long from beak to tail, about seven and a half inches on wingspan. And when they started shutting down our farms around uh, Houston, uh, all these barn swallows had nowhere to go. So where do they go? They came to Houston in our big, massive houses built by oil and gas, by the way. And they have a terrible habit of dive bombing their residents. And so we're they're trying to go for our nose. It looks like we're dodging out of the way, and they turn back, start laugh, laughing at us, and they've knocked two hats off my head and never touched skin. So go away. Barn swallows, please, out. Like Jerome heard the music, but he was going to just milk that thing to the end of the hour. I got to tell you something. That was some of the most fun I've ever had during that segment. That went fast. When you call a Dell Technologies advisor, you are talking to somebody who is not waiting for their turn to speak. No, they actually want to hear what you have to say. They're focused on you, ready to give advice on everything from laptops to the cloud and offer tailored solutions powered by Intel vPro platform to keep your small business ready for what's next. Our advisors listen so you know your small business needs have been heard. Call a Dell Technologies advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. So come to find out, not everybody around the NFL thinks that Tim Tebow attempting a comeback after nearly a decade away from the game 
and trying to learn a new position at the same time is a good idea. In fact, I'm not sure anybody anywhere not named Tebow and Herb think that that's a good idea. And I'll tell you some guys who really don't like it, members of Herb's own hand-picked coaching staff. That's right. According to ESPN's Jeff Darlington, there is, quote, serious disagreement within the Jags organization about signing Tebow. End of quote. So apparently some members of Herb's own staff don't think that signing Tebow is a good idea. I'm not talking about a guy coming in and inheriting somebody else's staff. This is his hand-picked staff. And some of these guys reportedly do not think that signing Tebow is a good idea. And do you know why that is? Because it's not a good idea. Because these same coaches want to win. And they know that a 33-year-old who has not been in the league in nearly a decade, who's trying to attempt to come back while learning a new position, is not going to help them win. It's not going to make a one-win team better. They know that. These coaches against it know that. Just as they know they're clearing out a roster spot for Tebow instead of somebody who could, I don't know, actually help them win. It's not a good idea. You know how I know they know this? Do you know how they know this? They know this because they're not idiots. You're going to tell me that in this era of amazing tight ends, Herb could not find a better one than a 33-year-old Tim Tebow who has never even played the position on that level and has not played in the NFL since 2012. That's the best option that he has at that position. If Herb truly thinks that, and truly believes that, then clearly he is not wired to coach in the NFL because there is no other coach and no other team other than the Jags who would ever even think of pulling this kind of stunt, much less actually executing this kind of stunt. There's only one coach in the entire league who would do this because every other coach in the league knows that the guy that we're talking about at this point of his life is not going to help them at all from a football standpoint. And there's no way they're going to burn a valuable roster spot on a guy like that because they know they can do better than a 33-year-old dude who has not been in the league for nearly a decade and has never even played the position at that level. So, as bad ideas go, this is one of the worst. Right when you think that Herb might actually be suited and built for the pro game, he pulls this bullcrap. And that was after drafting Travis Etienne to be a third down back. Another terrible idea. Just not as terrible as signing Tebow. Again, let's be clear. This is not Jacksonville doing this. This is Urban Meyer doing this. Because if Herb were not calling the shots there, there is no way the Jags, not even the Jags, are going to give a contract to a 33-year-old failed NFL quarterback turned failed minor league outfielder turning into a would-be tight end after being away from the league for nearly a decade. Even the Jags aren't doing that if Herb's not there. The Jags wouldn't do that and neither would anybody else. Because nobody would do that. It's a joke. Only way this could possibly happen is if Herb somehow landed in the NFL. 
Let's not forget, Tebow tried out for the Jags before the draft, and they're the only team he tried out for. But don't try and tell me that means that that's the only team that he would come back for. That doesn't mean the Jags are the only team he's interested in. It means the Jags are the only team interested in him. I mean, this really is the most embarrassing move involving Tim Tebow since John Parr rewrote the lyrics to St. Elmo's Fire and he turned a rock anthem into, well, this bullcrap. Tim Tebow's fire. fire. Urban Meyer going back to the Tim Tebow well is worse than that song. And that song sucks. I haven't seen anybody fall all over themselves like this for Tim Tebow since Tom Brenneman did back in the day. The passion, the fire of Tim Tebow, who is the unquestioned greatest leader in college football today. Except Tom was just making a remark within a game. Parr? Hell, John Parr? I'll bet you this guy spent all of 10 minutes coming up with lyrics like, gonna be a man in motion... All I need's my Broncos team. Take me where my future's lying. Tim Tebow's fire. Wow. Like, Herb investing time and money into Tebow is a tight end. Like, I have no idea why. Again, I'll ask, for who, for what? If your answer is because the Jags don't have a lot of options at tight end, then that's on the Jags. And I can assure you, the answer is not a former quarterback turned minor league outfielder. I mean, does Urban Meyer know what the tight end position has become in the NFL? This is not a spot for some guy who's too small to be a tackle, but too big to be a receiver. It's no longer a place where you put a big scrub and you really don't give a damn what happens. This is a premium spot in the offense in that league in 2021. A spot for guys like Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Kyle Pitts, dudes who are absolutely insane athletes with crazy hands and an unbelievable understanding of the game. Guys who can carve defenses with their speed and their skill and still truck guys with their size. Freaks. It's no surprise that teams with guys like Kelsey, Kittle, Gronk go to the Super Bowl. And yet you're going to enter that battle with Timothy Richard Tebow. You're trying to completely overhaul and turn around a one-win team. And you're thinking the answer is Tim Tebow. Or that that's even part of the answer. Man, I'm telling you, think about the Jags. There is so much to be excited about when it comes to the Jags. Trevor Lawrence, Shaquille Griffin, Danica. And then you're going to go and wreck it with Tim Tebow. How is Tebow, for instance, a bigger topic with the Jags right now than their number one pick in the draft? Their savior, their franchise quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. Like, I... I don't want to keep hammering away at this point, but Tebow was drafted in 2010. 
you know how many people are left in the league from that draft class? Not many. And the ones who are, they're really good at what they do. Guys like Joe Hayden, Rob Gronkowski, Emmanuel Sanders, you know, guys who are absolute pros, master craftsmen, if you will, at their gigs, really good at their jobs. They've been playing pro ball since 2010. I mean, at this rate, why stop with Tebow at tight end? Why not just bring back Jimmy Clausen and let him play safety? Why not bring back Jake Locker and let him line up at linebacker? And how is this going to play in your locker room when you're giving a locker and a potential roster spot to a guy who is your buddy from college? What kind of message does that send your locker room? And if the whole point of this is that Tebow is a great mentor and a great motivator, and they quote, if you're fortunate enough to spend five minutes or 20 minutes around Tim Tebow, your life is better for it. You know what? Great. If you're fortunate great. enough to spend five minutes or 20 minutes around Tim Tebow, your life is better for it. Because there's no way you're doing it for football reasons. So if you just want a guy like that around because he's so good to have around, great. I get that. I accept that. Make him an intern or the ball boy, or the get-back coach, or an assistant strength coach, or best of all, just bring the guy in one day to be a motivational speaker or try to pump up the other actual professional football players. He doesn't need to wear a jersey. He could be the jacked-up nut who breaks boards before a game, or he can let guys punch him in the face, or whatever. Whatever you do to hype and motivate people. Just don't let this guy in the field and hope that he's going to make your football team better because he won't. He won't. I also saw the Jags are currently advertising for a fan experience representative, a social content producer, a graphic design intern. Man, if you want this guy around, let him throw a resume at one of those jobs. And then after his day in the office is done, he could swing by the team and give them one of his famous speeches. But instead, Herb and the Jags are reportedly giving him a jersey and a contract as an actual football player. And when this doesn't work out, because it won't, don't come here and say it's too bad that Tebow didn't work out because he was never going to work out. When this thing bombs, it won't even be on Tebow. It's going to be on Herb because Herb is the guy who used time and energy to make a 33-year-old has-been into a productive 33-year-old tight end. And anybody who knows anything about that game knows that will never happen. I don't care how much success that you've had in college, coaching young athletes, grown-ass men are not just going to buy in when you get that job. You have to earn their respect. They don't give a damn what you did at Ohio State or Florida or Utah or Bowling Green. And bringing in Tebow is not a good way to earn their respect and prove to them that you know what the hell you're doing. Hell, even your own hand-picked assistant coaches think this is a terrible idea. And they're Herb guys. It Really, this is Herb's worst idea since he brought strength coach Chris Doyle in, who he insists that he completely vetted only to turn around and fire him one day later because he was accused of bullying and discrimination at Iowa. Herb, listen. I know you say you spent the better part of a year studying the pro game, 
but from the looks of things, you did not study hard enough or long enough. Not if you're hiring guys and then having to fire them one day later, and not if you're bringing in guys that you won with like a decade and a half ago. The players in the locker room are not going to understand that. They're going to see that, and they're going to think you're just bringing in your own dude when they've already been in the program. So they know that you can do better at that position. So a terrible message to send and a terrible football move on top of that. And let me tell you something. If I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, and this guy rolls in here and he makes that team and he tears it up, I will be the first, the first to apologize for having said that entire rant. I just know I won't have to. I will if I'm wrong. But I know I won't have to. Man, you know what? I should have asked Tom Telesco if he could get on the phone with Stan Humphreys, pull him out of retirement, and let him replace Hunter Henry. Hey, Trevor, you should go find Mark Sanchez. Ask him how fun it is to have Tebow around. Clones. Where the clones at? Tony Luffman is back in the jungle. Tony, brother, what's up? I am thrilled to be with the Hall of Famer. Jim Rome, I wonder when you sign your name, like on a credit card slip after a meal, do you put HOF? <laughs> Dude, you, you do not wonder that. You know I don't do that, man. You know <laughs> I do not do that. People have enough reason to hate me. I'm not doing that. It's good to have you, Tony. Love very joining modest. Us. I knew the answer would be no, but I figured I would ask. My man, I appreciate it. All right, so before we get to the postseason, let me ask you first about Connor McDavid. He put up 102 points in a season where he played 54 games. So how special is this, not just in terms of this particular season, but literally in terms of the history of the game? I love the question because I think it's important to put it in its proper context. You have to go back to the mid-90s and Mario Lemieux. If this had been an 82-game season, Connor would have scored somewhere in the vicinity of 155 points. Mario Lemieux is le magnifique. When you go to PPG Paints Arena, you see a statue of him outside. We're talking about watching a player who's 24 years old right now, and he's only going to get better. He hasn't reached his prime yet. He's certainly on the ascent. What Connor is doing is truly historic. He's already won the Art Ross a couple times. He'll win the Hart Trophy again this year. I am so fortunate, and all of us that love the game are so fortunate to be able to watch 97. It's rare in sports and in entertainment for something to be underhyped. And he was hyped a lot coming up. I believe he's underrated. He's just so special. Tony Luffman joining us. He's an NHL Network host. We are talking hockey. One of the great things about Tony is I can talk any sport with him. I mentioned earlier that one of my favorite NFLers ever was Bob Sandridge. You know another one? Rodney Harrison. I love Rodney Harrison. What up, Rod? Uh, in, in addition to that, I know that was a little bit random, but I wanted to get that in. Tony, when you watch McDavid play, I mean, it's the amazing thing about how young this guy is and how good he is, he just doesn't seem that impressed or excited about it. After crossing the 100-point mark, he said that he was focused on the things that really matter, namely the postseason. So what about the Oilers overall? What's their ceiling? How good can this team be? That's what's the most exciting is that the more casual fan jumps on board now, we all know that. They're going to get to see McDavid, who plays at a different speed. Everyone that I'm around, all the former coaches and players and managers say 
He's the fastest player in terms of the way he thinks, the way he skates, the way his hands move. But, to quote John Wooden, because I always do, he's quick without hurrying. This is a guy who, for whatever reason, and there have been plenty of reasons, it isn't worth the time to go into them, Edmonton has not been to the playoffs except for one time uh, with him there, and then last year they had the 2014 field. They got to the second round and played the Ducks a few years ago. This is the brightest lights, the biggest stage. I'm ecstatic he's going to be playing in the playoffs. It would be like baseball, where Mike Trout's only been to the playoffs one time. Thankfully, Connor and Leon Dreisaitl and the rest of the Oilers are going. They can be really good. Their goalie somehow found the fountain of youth. Uh, Mike Smith is playing like the Mike Smith of 2012 who helped the Coyotes get to the conference final. As long as he stays healthy and sound and they get the kind of help that they've gotten from their back end, they can go deep in this year's playoffs. We're talking to Tony Luffman. He is an NHL Network host, a former participant and contributor to our daily show. You can watch him as part of NHL Network's NHL Tonight coverage, which will air before and after every Stanley Cup playoff game. And Tony, I mentioned I can talk any sport with you. You mentioned John Wooden, who you often like to quote, understandably so. He was John Wooden. Are we going to get to a point where we start to quote our guy Mick Cronin? All right. You and I have talked UCLA basketball for years. Let me just go off the sidebar for for a minute, what were you thinking as you saw Mick lead that team back to the Final Four this year? What was that like for you personally? I publicly apologized to Mick Cronin because I had been on a CBS Sports Network time to shine, and right after he was hired, I was critical of him, and I I want to take this opportunity also to apologize. I was wrong about him being the fit at UCLA, there couldn't be a better fit. I've never been more proud to be a Bruin than of that team. I bought online after we lost in the Final Four. I bought a shirt that has all the different Final Four years to show pride in what was an 11 seed. He did such a remarkable job. One of the things Coach Wooden used to say was, I've never seen a jockey carry a horse across the finish line. We didn't have the best horses in a bunch of those games, and yet he coached us all the way to the Final Four. And I'll tell you, the Tex Chains were going 95 championship team. Everybody's on the same page. It's fractured and fragmented because there have been so many head coaches since Coach Eric, but everybody was on the same page, pulling on the rope. We're all ecstatic for this year's team and for – Coach Cronin in the future. I, I absolutely love the guy. I've always loved Mick Cronin, and they were fierce, man. They were fierce. If I'm a Bruin or a member of Bruin Nation, I can't be more proud and more hyped to what I saw in that NCAA tournament. I thought they were just absolutely fierce. Now, Tony, what about the West? Vegas. He's got a two-point lead over Colorado for the best record. The Avalanche beat the Golden Knights on Monday. How significant is that battle for the President's Trophy and home ice in the West? If history tells us anything, you don't want to win the President's Trophy. In recent history, only the 12-13 Blackhawks in a shortened season won the President's Trophy, then went on to win the Stanley Cup. I think it would be a nice feather in Vegas's cap. This is the best expansion team in the history of planet Earth. I think back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who went 0-26 before they won a game. 
all Vegas did in year one was play for the Stanley Cup, and they've gone to the playoffs every single year, and they're a real threat to win it this year. They're my choice to come out of the West. I feel like they're insulated at goalie better than Colorado. The teams are very similar in terms of being exceptionally gifted and deep, but Vegas has two goalies in Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury, and Colorado fans can tell you last year they got to their third goalie. Because it was a compressed season and because the players are tired, I think that it's realistic to expect a need to go beyond one goalie, and Vegas has that tandem. No doubt. Tony Luffman joining us. They've got amazing goaltending. They've got depth, and they've got that going for them in their room. Listen, I'm jumping around a little bit, but let me ask you about Tampa Bay because they've had a really unusual journey the past few years. They had that brutal ending to the season two years ago. Then they followed that up by winning it all last year. So how does this year's Lightning team compare to last year's team? It's a great question because we don't know because we haven't seen Nikita Kucherov the whole season. He's a guy that's won the Art Ross before. He's won the Hart Trophy. He's been out the whole year, but he's expected to play in the playoffs, and Steven Stankos has been out a month, and he's expected to play in the playoffs. So as good as they've been during the regular season, they could be extraordinary. I mean, like otherworldly good once they're all in rhythm. I keep asking the people around me, how long does it take for them to come together and find that chemistry? And they said players, uh, the two people that I asked, said players of their ability, it shouldn't take more than three periods. So like one game, Hmm. one playoff game out of a best of seven, that's not asking a lot. And we were talking about Mick Cronin earlier. John Cooper deserves a ton of credit because they were in the deepest valley. They did what Virginia basketball did. They got knocked out in the first round, as you know, Rome, after winning the President's Trophy. It had never happened before. They got swept. The next year, they win the cup from the deepest valley to the tallest mountaintop. Just incredible to be able to keep the group together the way he did. He's one of the best coaches in any sport. You know, it's funny to say that, Tony. I was going to say, he's one of my favorite guys. He's one of my favorite interviews, not only in hockey, but one of my favorite interviews in all of sports. And I think he's done an amazing job, and especially this year and the way he approached it. Listen, before you go, if, is there a team that's out there right now that may not be near the top, that maybe people aren't thinking about, but should be thinking about, or maybe a team that you would not want to run into in the postseason, regardless of what their record is? I would say the St. Louis Blues, because of championship experience. I learned a couple of years ago when they won the Stanley Cup that experience matters. Championship experience matters because once you've done what they did from last place on January 3rd to hoisting Lord Stanley's Cup, the stick is never as heavy. The game is never as tough. They have that point to be able to draw back from. And they still have a number of the players that were on that team. So I don't think that this year's team is as talented as that year's team was. And I don't think Jordan Bennington is on a magical run like he was that year. But I wouldn't want to play them. And Craig Berube, the way he gets them to play every night, you better bring your lunch pail. It's going to be a battle. 
So St. Louis, to me, is that team. 100. He absolutely has them ready to battle all three periods, every single shift, every single night. Tony Luffman, NHL Network host, friend of the program, clone, former UCLA basketball manager. And remember, you can watch Tony as part of NHL Network's NHL Tonight coverage, which will air before and after every Stanley Cup playoff game. I know you love this time of year, Tony. Great to have you back. Thanks so much. Appreciate you, brother. My pleasure. Thanks, Jim. Good night.